previously on The Sean Ryan Show. He's like, this came from a psychic? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he looked at it, and he like, looked at the report, and he's like, okay. So he wrote total fantasy on top of the report and sent it back to Joe at me. The, the engineers said the sub can't survive at depth. Um, it's way too big. He's the only guy who thinks it's a sub. Yeah, well, your Total Fantasy launches in 112 days. Send it back to the Pentagon. Someone at the National Reconnaissance Office tasked a satellite to do a flyover, and they snapped pictures of the Red October submarine. I would imagine that sparked a lot of interest in remote viewing and Robert Gates. Earlier you had mentioned they put you in a room where it's shielded from the radio signal or radio waves. Why is that? Just to have control over the potential for signals to come in and out of the room to give you information. Let's take a quick break and when we come back let's get into some of the technology when they started implementing that. All right, Sean, we're back from the break. We were talking about your initial experience with remote viewing and without technologies. I wanted to talk to you about what are some of the technologies that they implemented and how did that, how did that improve your remote viewing experience? Yeah, well, they used the binaural technologies that they developed there at Monroe because they invented binaural beats, right? where you have one frequency in one ear and one frequency in the other ear, and the difference between the two, your brain then has to rectify, and it turns on uh, special areas in your brain that can then allow for weird experiences or cool experiences to occur in expansions of consciousness. I just got back from a discovery program where they put a bunch of EEG sensors on your head and look at your brain waves while you're meditating, and then put signals in your ears to try to figure out what's going on and actually watch your brain in real time to see what's going on with your uh, delta waves, your theta waves, alpha waves, beta waves, and then at the top, gamma waves. And the way they graph them, they make cool little um, designs and whatnot of shapes that can signify you in different levels of conscious awareness. And it's really cool stuff that they have operating up there. Um, I talked to the folks up there, and they would love for you to come by and experience it for yourself. Really? Yeah, and on their dime, just come up and, and take a couple of courses and you know meet Joe McMonagall, the remote viewer, and, and see for yourself. Because a lot of things, like I could try to sit here and tell you, you know, here's my experience and here's, you know, but it's better for you just to go there and, and see it for yourself and actually dig deep into your own consciousness and what you can do with your mind based on the technologies that they're assisting you with because They've been doing this stuff for decades, and they're really good at it. So they're willing to have me go to the Monroe Institute and oh, yeah. test my remote viewing abilities. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am down. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> this is definitely happening. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, you have to. I mean, to talk about it is one thing, but you really got to dive in. And, like, if you want to experience what it's like and, you know, the, the things that you see or feel – sense in your own consciousness connected with, you know, doing a remote viewing or doing a consciousness expansion experience. That's one of those things where you just got to dive in and do it, you know? Um, I would, I am 110% going to take you up on that. 
Done. So Monroe Institute, here I come. <laughs> this is happening. That's awesome. I'm ex I'm pumped. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's this is. I'm going. I am going. We'll talk. We'll talk after the show. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. Thank you. <clears throat> so. So we talked a little bit about the technologies. Let's yeah. talk about. We we talked on the break a little bit about going into the future, looking into the future, but it's right now from from what we've discussed thus far, everything to include Joe McMonagall, all of the remote viewing stuff that we've talked. Well, I guess not the the space station that crashed. That would have been in the future. Yeah. But most of what we're talking about is actually in the present. What is this diagnosis that's happening? That what is the pain this woman's feeling in yeah. her knee? Yeah. You know, what is the picture in the envelope? Yeah. And so, but also remote viewing is also looking into the future. Yeah. And there's actually a really cool study that was done because, I mean, there's so many people out there listening right now who are saying, oh, this is complete bullshit. And there are a lot of scientists out there who are like, okay, well, you know, show me a peer-reviewed published study that shows that this stuff can occur. And, you know, even with a Joe McMonagall, the argument is N equals one isn't really proof of anything. Like one guy might have amazing abilities for whatever reason. To get it to the bottom of this, we need to study it a lot more. And it doesn't even prove that more than one person has this. There was actually a really cool study that I want to tell you about that proves that average humans can look into the future. And this is without a doubt, like beyond Six Sigma proof, which is science's gold standard of this is a phenomena, that type of statistical proof that human beings can literally look into the future. And it was on an ironclad study that even the most vehement skeptics weren't able to poke any holes in. And it started with a, uh, a study that was done on what's called priming. So they put a bunch of people in a chair in front of a computer system. And the computer ran the whole experiment, randomized the whole thing, selected out of a database, grabbed images and words that were connected um, with a study that they wanted to do regarding putting a picture of, let's say, a, a kitty in front of somebody. And so they show you this picture of this kitty on the screen, and then a few seconds later they give you the option to select cute or ugly, binary choice. So you press button one or button two, and then they measure you, because it's a computer, they can measure down to the split second, a hundredth of a second, um, how fast you're selecting your word associated with the image. But then they make it complicated one step further. For one thirtieth of a second, before they even show you the picture of the kitty, randomly selected of the two words, they will flash one of the words in front of you that your conscious awareness can't pick up because we can't see one thirtieth of a second, but the subconscious does pick it up. So your subconscious mind sees the one thirtieth of a flash of the word right before they show you the kitty. And it's either cute or ugly that they flash before it. Now if it's cute, you'll select cute faster. If you think kitties are cute, you might hate kitties, I don't know. You might say, all cats are ugly, right? Um, they control for all that, but basically, if they flash ugly before the kitty, then it will take you a split second longer to select cute. And this is a, a perfect study because there's no study investigator and human interaction, so they can't, there's no human to human interface interaction that can occur there to where you're skewing the results. There's no clue about 
what the selection needs to be from any other source. It's just a computer running the, the experiment. So this is a, from a psychological sciences perspective, this is a perfect study because it's only a human being being measured by a computer with a completely randomized set of data that's being placed in front of the human and measuring how fast they can react to something based on a stimuli that they put right before the whole process goes through. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I help me understand how this is looking into the future. Okay. This next study switches okay. it around. <clears throat> so this next researcher who wanted to investigate whether or not this primer had any inf influence on these people in the future, he took the primer from over here at the beginning of the process and he simply put it over here at the end of the process. So then the new experiment became, I'm going to show you a picture of a kitty or whatever, and then I'm gonna give you two words, and then at the end, in that 1 30th of a second flash, after you have already made your choice, after you've already pressed your button and made your decision, we're going to flash the primer afterwards. So there should be absolutely no way, if you're looking at the picture, selecting your word, and then getting a primer afterwards, that that primer should influence the speed at which you make your decision and, and click your button on whichever you know, word you want to choose, right? Should have absolutely no effect, except it did. The primer flashed after your decision, altered the timing in which you could select the cute or ugly uh, word choice, in the same way that it did when you put it before. And not only did it occur, it occurred in 90 different experiments in 33 different independent labs in 14 different countries to over a six uh, sigma significance, statistical significance. So they basically proved in that set of studies, <clears throat> in this meta study that's, that's uh, published at National Institutes of Health, by the way, on the website, that humans, the consciousness of humans, like they don't do this consciously, but something in their subconscious looks into the future, sees that primer, and it affects the speed at which they can select cute or ugly based on the image that they've been given, and yet the primer happens after the fact that they've taken the choice. It still affects their speed at which they make the choice, which means they're looking Holy into the shit. future. So hold on, hold on. So, <laughs> so with no prompt, yeah. what are we calling it, a prompt? A primer. A primer with no primer on the front or the back. Well, they have one on the front or the back. The first set of experiments was on the front. Okay. And it affected people as they expected it to. Mm -hmm. But they put it on the back, and they didn't expect it to affect people, and then it did. But the constant would be without a primer, correct? They, they have control they... groups that were without a primer. Yeah, they That's had a, what I meant. <clears throat> yeah, they had bo both experiments had a control group where they didn't have a primer. So if the primer on the back end... You have one without it, one with it. You're faster with the one on the back end. And it and the primer happens after the decision has been made. Yeah. In the congruent way that the primer would want to influence you if it was put in the front, the same type of results happen when they put it on the back. And that proved that and that proved that basically consciousness was tied into non-locality, the quantum mechanics, right? Because quantum mechanics is something that is independent of, of space and time. It's not affected by time. So what that's proving to us, or what that's suggesting to us, not proving, proving is a very strong word. What that's suggesting to us is that consciousness can reach into the future and see a future bit of data and influence your decision in the now. 
90 studies proved it. Wow. How about the past? No studies that I know of. Um, I mean, how to structure that type of experiment, I don't know. Um, but that's a suggestion that consciousness goes out beyond the body. So another piece of science that can help prove that consciousness may be beyond the body and in a uh, field of energy that just is at the fundamental core of who and what we are and the universe that exists around us was an experiment they did with a slime mold. Now a slime mold is a number of single-celled amoeba okay. that come together in a colony that creates this slime mold that then moves around together as a bunch of single-celled creatures with identical DNA. So it's a crowd of amoebas. It's a crowd of amoebas okay. that work in conjunction with each other. And then, but they take on different functions within the slime mold itself. So these single-celled amoeba start to come together and create like internal organs that have different functions that these slime mold amoeba over here do different things than these slime mold amoeba over here do. Um, and including an, an immune system response where 1% of these individual creatures go around swallowing up the pathogens that find themselves within the slime mold and they drop out of the bottom of the slime mold, self-sacrificing. They die and, they, and the pathogen dies along with them, which is an altruistic act at a single-celled organism scale. They, they throw themselves on a grenade for the rest of the slime mold at a single-celled organism scale. So they did an experiment with these things and they put some oatmeal in the path of, there's a Japanese researcher, so they use the population centers around Tokyo, Japan. And they had this train system that would ship people around that the engineers put together with uh, uh, computers and a group of engineers and they let this slime mold go on these little piles of oatmeal. And what slime molds will do is they'll build a little tube system to ship the nutrients around when they find the food so that everybody gets fed. And so it spreads out and it starts finding these piles of oatmeal and starts creating these tube systems. And within 24 hours, the single-celled organisms of this slime mold had a tube system that looked exactly like the Japanese rail system that the engineers in the computer had built, except they took millions of dollars and months to build the, the, trail, the train design for the computer systems to to put together, the engineers did. The slime mold did it in 24 hours. It did it in a more efficient fashion than the train system wound up being and was more efficient and would have cost less money had the Japanese engineers built it that way, that the slime mold built it, right? So these are single-celled organisms that figured out a better train system for Tokyo, Japan than Tokyo, Japan had actually built. Where does that intelligence come from except below the level of the cells themselves coming up into the cells? Holy shit. So that's another pretty good proof that consciousness is something that is more of a field of intelligence that we tap into. It certainly gives us animation, certainly gives us the ability to experience things, right? We have this body, and if our brain gets blown off or whatever, it certainly limits our ability, and we have brain damage and malformations. It certainly restricts our ability to experience consciousness but it doesn't come from this brain. It comes through this brain. 
and the consciousness is actually something that's out in the field. This is why things like remote viewing can be real. This is why things like ESP and uh, uh, prediction of action can be real. Reaching what, what out. What is ESP? Extrasensory perception. What is that? Um, psychic ability, like being able to uh, know, um, you know, under which cup the ball is when you have no idea what it is. Kind of a remote viewing functionality. Uh, or psychic ability, interfacing with um, spirits that can make that possible from a scientific standpoint. Crazy, crazy So stuff. do you think we all share the same consciousness? So if consciousness is a field energy, quantum mechanics, the theory behind it is that there are a number of field energies that come together and they're all one field. It's all one thing throughout the one universe. So electron field has one field for the whole universe. But then there's a local expression of the electrons in this chair, for instance. Like there's a probability that this electron is going to be in this place uh, with this movement on this atom, et cetera. And then it becomes real when you interact with it. When an observer is present, the wave function collapses, et cetera. So there's a one big field of electrons, but then there's the local expression of the electron right here. I think if consciousness is a non-local field, it's going to do the same thing. So yes, we can share the one big consciousness, which is the, the consciousness of the field itself, but then there are local expressions of our consciousness that come through our brain and become our individual existences. So while you can be you and I can be me, we're sharing that same conscious field that connects us. And the only difference between you and me in that scenario is that you started with your physiology and you had your experiences and you had your life story and you came from wherever you came from and I came through my experiences, my life story, my physiology. And so in reality, I can see you as another version of me that simply has your bag of tricks and I'm just another version of you that came through my experiences. Have there been any other experiments on this? Yeah, some. Like the Institute for Noetic Sciences is all over this stuff from a scientific perspective. That was started by Edgar Mitchell, who was an astronaut who went to space and had a unitive experience, I'm one with everything, wanted to um, put some science behind that and started the Institute for Noetic Sciences. And they're doing stuff like looking for gene expressions in DNA for psychic abilities, and they're finding results. They're like finding that. results. Yeah. Like the, the, the stuff that they, the first studies that they've done are pioneered studies that they need to replicate. And, you know, the science isn't conclusive or anything, but they've had a, the first foray into studying whether or not there are gene expressions that correlate with psychic ability. They've found a connection. So we may not, you know, we may have a, a physiological switch to turn on and turn off to be able to have extra conscious awareness. This stuff is fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, we don't know, we don't have all the answers to all this stuff, but it's cool to explore and discuss because, I mean, there are things in us as humans that we don't explore and we can do that we just don't do. And so we don't have the benefits of them because you're just not doing them, but we can do them right now. They're like, there's stuff that everyone listening to this can do. 
Wow. <laughs> this is, uh, wow. What other kind of courses do they offer in over at Monroe Institute? Well, I just got done with the discovery program, which scans your brain and uh, shows you your brain waves in deep meditation and through the experiences that they give you. Um, they also have courses where you can go in and try to connect with uh, extraterrestrial entities, you know, that kind of stuff. Because if we're connected with consciousness, that means they're likely connected with consciousness too. And you can reach out and say hi non-locally through being wherever you are at the moment that you are and the place that you are and reaching out and saying hi because non-locality means there's no limitation of space and time to get a message through. Um, you can go out and look for lost souls that haven't quite made it to heaven yet and lead them where they were confused, lost their life suddenly or whatever it is, and they're wandering around, they don't know where they're going. Find them and kind of handhold them to this central location where they can then zip off to their final destination. Like they do cool, crazy, weird, awesome stuff like that. But that has real world evidence of like they would go in and they'd talk to someone who was lost. And this person who was lost would give them information about it. they were on a ship and they were, um, you know, a, a chef or a, a galley crew and that the ship's name was XYZ and they grew up in this uh, specific little village in Ireland and all that stuff would check out. Like they did the research after the fact and all the information that someone that they would interface with would give them all this information and then it would check out historically that there was a ship of that name and it did sail from the port that they said it would sail from and that there was a village that had that family name in it and all this other stuff. It's like, you know, you, you look for... Have you done any of those courses? I, I haven't. You're You're strictly... Remote viewing right now. I've done remote viewing. Um, I did a gateway, which I highly suggest. Those are amazing because that gets you into the technology of binaural beats and what the technology can do regarding stimulating different portions of your brain to expand your consciousness, um, to basically kind of have a, a psychedelic experience without the psychedelics uh, through technology. Amazing, amazing stuff. And this last one I did, they did the brain scan stuff in my brain while I was meditating, which is really cool to be able to see the, like you have these experiences, right? You, you're wearing these headphones and you're experiencing these signals in your brain that are turning on different things based on the physiological result. But then you're able to go look at the brain scan afterwards and say, okay, was I really, you know, viewing somewhere far off or was that my imagination? And then you look at the brain scan and the frequencies that your imagination are correlated to weren't even firing at the moment. So you're like, well, science suggests that's not my imagination. Like I'm not filling in the blanks artificially. So maybe my experience was something far away. How many of you have logged into your Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever your streaming platform is, only to find the same mind-numbing content over and over and over again? And then you wind up settling and you just watch that mind-numbing content. Maybe it's time to spend your time learning something that's inspiring and that could possibly improve your life. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subjects. 
You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or history of the ancient Christian church. With Hillsdale College's online courses, they are all available for free. That's right, it's free. I personally recommend you sign up for American citizenship in its decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, Dr. Hansen explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever you want. Start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash SRS to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash SRS to start. hillsdale.edu slash SRS. Here's the situation. You've got China, Russia, Ukraine, the border. The banks seem to be collapsing. Plus, the Chinese just negotiated with Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Brazil to drop the U.S. dollar. And... Most Americans, including myself, feel that we're in a recession right now. But despite all the evidence, I can't tell you what's going to happen for sure. Nobody can. Yet when it comes to your money, you should understand what's at stake. That's why I partnered with Gold Co. to possibly help at times like this. Go to SeanLikesGold.com or call 855-936-GOLD to get your free gold and silver kit. The kit shows you how to defend your money with precious metals and how listeners of the show could get up to $10,000 in bonus silver. Go to SeanLikesGold.com or call 855-936-GOLD to get your free gold and silver kit. I can't predict the future, but I can certainly prepare for it. So go to SeanLikesGold.com or call 855-936-GOLD now. Performance may vary. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. It's a cool place. Yeah, I can't wait to check it you out. You gotta go. I cannot <laughs> wait to check it out. Do you find any correlation between me and you've talked a lot about psychedelics yeah. offline and 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 here too in the last episode. Do you find any correlation between some of the clarity and intuition that psychedelics can bring you? Um, with what some of the stuff you're learning at Monroe Institute? Absolutely. Could that supercharge what you're... Yeah, I think it's a different approach to the same location. Like, when you introduce an exogenous compound in psychedelics to your body, it's going to have a certain effect on what your mind is doing based on how it's affecting your brain, right? The The receptors that are being filled by the chemical that are triggering different consciousness events within your mind, et cetera. And you have insights that are meaningful often and um, different feelings that you don't normally feel when you don't have that chemical influencing you. Technology can do the same thing. Just in a little different fashion, the experience is a little different, but it's similar. Um, but it also delivers insight and can get you into that space where the same type of thing is happening in your brain, except your brain is supplying the chemicals that fill the receptors because of the stimuli that you're putting into your brain with the signals 
in your headphones. So it's similar, it's different, but it's still different from your regular everyday awareness where you're you know, driving around going to lunch or whatever. And it can certainly deliver insights. Like this last week, I went into a meditation and it's a little personal, but there was some stuff with between myself and my wife where we were just miscommunicating on this one thing. We have a great relationship. We don't usually have any problems, but there was one thing that was kind of just vexing me a little bit. And I went into that meditation with these signals in my ear and I was able to get insight on how to handle that better than I had been. And those technologies helped me gain that awareness where I don't think I would have come up with that on my own. I mean, you know, you've experienced psychedelics and I have too, and we understand the different ways we can see things when those chemicals are filling the receptors that they are and they're allowing us to see things in a different way. The technology up there at Monroe helped me do the same thing. Interesting. Yeah, I, I get, I can get extremely intuitive um, when I am on psychedelics. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it. I'm always looking for the scientific explanation on why that happens, why I'm able to tap into, I guess I would call it a higher consciousness. Yeah. You know, when I'm on the, when I'm, when I'm in the middle of a psychedelic journey and, and it's been, I mean, it happens every single time. It's, it's like. Everything's mapped out. And in, in, have you heard any good scientific explanations for that? I'm really interested in, in this. Uh, I don't know enough about it, and it might be way over my head, but uh, this quantum entanglement stuff is, is really fascinating to me. Well, funny you say that. I had an opportunity. John Clauser won the Nobel Prize last year, bought me a way too many beers <laughs> i met him at the berkeley eye club where he says he has this uh, a couple of sailboats that he sails on the weekends and he races in regattas and stuff and um i uh i went to talk to him and hang out with him and we had we had a lot of beers over on multi-hour conversation um there is no doubt that non-locality in quantum mechanics is weird to the point that we can't really understand it. And the thing that he won the Nobel for, by the way, he was looking to disprove entanglement on John Bell's equations rather than prove it. And he wound up proving it, and then they gave him the Nobel for it. That was a complete surprise to him because he thought he was going to disprove it because no he was kidding. a fan of Einstein's interpretation and all this other stuff. But Do you have a good way of breaking that down? For Quantum mechanics? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, my theory on it, I've got an interesting theory that, you know, some people are a fan of and other people's aren't. Um, if consciousness is also a non-local field that we have not yet named, like if consciousness is one of those things that goes out infinitely and is attached to all the other fields, then consciousness is easily explained as the thing that collapses the wave function. And when you look at something... Um, it reacts differently than when you don't look at it because your loop and connection back into consciousness reaches non-locally into the collapse of that wave function and makes it happen. When you're accessing that information, when you're not accessing that information, you don't. it doesn't have to render into that place of actually being a particle. It can stay a probability. That's just a pet theory of mine, but it makes sense that 
you know, we've, we've, we're starting to prove, you know, psychic ability exists. We're starting to prove that looking into the future exists through these almost irrefutable studies that a computer is controlled. Well, how, how would you explain all of that, including the collapse of the wave function when you're looking at something or not looking at something, besides having consciousness be a non-local field that's all tied into the whole thing? Because for me, that would be like if in video games, there's this thing called occlusion culling that allows the computer to operate a huge environment in a 3D game, right? It only shows you what you're looking at, just like quantum mechanics. There may be a huge world of 3D map in front of you, but it's not going to render the whole thing. It's only going to render what you can see so that it can have enough cycles to show you frame number two. Because if it's got a, like in an infinite universe, if it's got to render the whole universe, you're never gonna get to frame number two. But if it only has to show you what you see, then all of a sudden it's showing you a bunch of frames per second that you can interact with. And that's what they do in video games. That's kind of, to me, how the universe works. Where there's an infinite possibility of everything going on all at once, but the only thing that gets rendered into matter is the thing that you're interacting with at the moment. I don't know. I'm I've probably totally wrong. And everybody who don't understands physics a hell of a lot better than me, like, hate it. What a dumbass. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they'll be in the comments. Don't worry. But you're all right, by the way. Every one of you is telling me you're wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Sean, I, I think, um, one, I cannot wait to get to the Monroe Institute. Yeah. And, um, and meet Joe. Yeah, you got personally. Get up there. I cannot wait for that to happen, and I really hope we can get him here. That would be that would be a hell of an interview. Yeah, and, I think uh, so, and a real honor. But um, but it was a real honor to interview you uh, for the second time, and thank you for sharing all that information. And I have a feeling we'll be seeing you again on this show. So. If you'll come. Yeah, absolutely, man. Maybe um, Anytime. after after I get to the Monroe Institute. Yep. I'm sure I'm gonna have a lot more questions. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I hopefully I have the capability, you know. Yeah. Um it kind of makes me nervous. I don't want to go there and Don't be nervous. Everybody's got it to a certain degree. Um some people are better than others. I mean, there's no question that I mean, people like Joe are amazing remote viewers. I got to meet Lynn Buchanan, who is an amazing remote viewer, who uh, George Clooney actually played Lynn in the movie Men Who Stare at Goats, right? Um, and while everybody makes fun of that movie, I think it's brilliantly humorous. Um, that's an actual program, and that was a successful intel gathering operation. Lynn's another one of those guys who's just freaking amazing at looking at something and being able to give you the detail of it. And there's some folks who aren't as good at it, but I mean, just like anything else, LeBron James proved that, you know, you can score 7,000 or whatever points in a lifetime of a career of basketball. He's the only one who's proved it so far. Other people can't shoot a basket to save their life. So there's going to be people who are better at it and not so good at it based on their physiological ability. But everyone can try to take a shot. Well, I'm going to try to take a shot. <laughs> so... You know, I mean, I told you, I, t I think it was at dinner last night, maybe it was a lunch, but I mean, I feel a lot of intuition. Yeah. And 
I can't explain it all. I've talked about several different occasions on on a show here and there uh, throughout. You know, the, whatever we have, right now we're sitting at fifty-seven shows. I, I can't remember which ones I've talked about them on, but it happens so often where I'll be thinking of something, or I'll say something, or I'll throw something out uh, verbally into the world, and it happens. That person call. It, it's there's too many coincidences happening, and it happened. It happens to me so much that I've sat each one of my. I've sat both my parents down separately and ask them if they have had any of these experiences or, or if they're ongoing. And, and, uh, what'd they say? Well, they looked at me like I was crazy and, said, <laughs> and, and they said, no, um, but, but that doesn't, that's not going to keep me from exploring. Cause I want something is going on Yeah, and I want to know what it is. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I'm hoping I'll get some answers at the Monroe Institute. So, thank you, f- thank you for the invite. I'm, no problem. One hundred percent going. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah, can't wait. I can't wait to hear your report after you come back. I hope you're there. Uh, that'd be amazing. I hope you're there. We'll have to Are be- you going to go into any of these other programs? Do you think? Or I'm, I'm going to try out. Um, the out-of-body experience one that they have in July set up. So I'm going to go up there again here real soon and see if I can pop out of my body. I've never done that before. Uh, but there's a there's a sense from the people who have done so that it's more real than their physical reality that they experience when they're in their body. And they can, wherever they think about they want to go, they immediately go there and experience what's going on. And then the people who are in that location will report weird things going on associated with that person. Like um, uh, somebody told me, they said, well, I popped back home and see what was going on there. And I was able to tell where my wife was and she was there, according to her report of where she was in the house and what she was doing that he witnessed there. And that her screensaver or something on her computer froze on a picture of him on her computer where it was supposed to, you know, go from picture to picture to picture to picture. It just froze on it and then wouldn't go, wouldn't change. So like weird stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you know, that's full of those kind of stories. And if consciousness is a non-local quantum mechanics thing, then that kind of stuff can happen. Like, and we need to get a better grasp on it if we want to take advantage of it all. Man, this is going to take me down a lot of rabbit holes. <laughs> I can't wait. Me neither. Well, Sean, seriously, again, it's it's an honor to have you here. Uh, I love our conversations. I can't wait to see you again. And uh, best of luck. Thank you, brother. You know, and uh, everything will be linked below. But, uh, yeah, safe travels back home. And uh, I, seriously, I cannot wait to see you again. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.